I can say then, hey, those are my kids over there in the corner. Uh, very proud of them. Uh, very proud of my uh, son. Very proud of my daughter-in-law. And as I think of that wisdom, when it comes to lasting on the mission field, and uh, Ashley brought uh, mention to something I told her as far as, you know, the devil wants you to quit. The devil wants you to quit. And if there's any lesson that I can um, kind of push on young people at your stage in life is to understand that Satan wants to do everything in his power and his might to make you quit. This is a spiritual battle. This is a battle to where he wants you to throw in the flag and he wants you to be at a place to where you are not uh, uh, fit for ministry. Uh, we have a young man that uh, uh, we're working with in South Africa. Uh, he messed up this past week in a big way and he's, he's being knocked out of the ministry. And he's done some things as far as continually done things that's just con continually hurt his testimony. So for him to be able to be back in the ministry is going to be a very difficult process because he set himself up for failure and he continues making the same dumb mistakes. And guys, I want you to understand as far as what you're doing here is an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to be challenged, an opportunity to uh, show your faithfulness and build your relationship with the Lord. You have a, a great environment. You have great teachers. You have great friends. I hope you have great friends anyway uh, that are encouraging you to reach the world with the gospel. And I would say take advantage of that as much as you can because Satan wants to destroy your life. He wants you to destroy your life and your relationship. And, you know, I take, I give guys and girls a very hard time when it comes to their testimony and their walk. Guys and girls, don't be alone together. Don't be in the car by yourself. Don't be in a room by yourself. Don't be, go to a, a restaurant by yourself. Don't do anything by yourself. And I don't care if you're getting married next week. Don't be by yourself. Like next Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's just direct the conversation. Because <laughs> I love picking on Audrey as much as possible. Uh, and I would say this, man, I would have had more sons if I knew that daughter-in-laws were going to be so awesome. I would like to throw that in. Uh, <laughs> Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're trying. Uh, and got your testimony, don't sabotage yourself, guys. It's not worth it. It's not worth the, 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 the lust. It's not worth uh, the, just the, the, the satisfaction that you have. Uh, guys, set yourself up for success. For success. One of my favorite verses, and one that I go to often with young people, and, and it's a reminder to myself, uh, is uh, Proverbs 4, um, 20, I'm forgetting the verse right now. Oh, okay, uh, 423. Uh, I love this verse so much, I forget it all the time. Um, uh, you know, it says, keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Anytime I have an opportunity to talk to young people, Man, I want to bring up this verse because 
it's the idea, guys, the things that you pour, put in your heart are the things that's going to come out of your heart. If you're messing around with your girlfriend, understand impurity is going to come out of that. Adultery is going to come out. Fornication is going to come out of that. If you're messing with pornography, guys, don't think that you're going to live a pure life. Number one, you're looking at pornography, you're automatically already not pure, but it's going to go to levels uh, that you can't come back from. Um, so, guys, the things you're putting in your heart are going to come out. So don't be surprised when you're making dumb mistakes because you're putting the wrong things in your life. You know, 1 Corinthians 7.1, it says to touch your girlfriend as much as you want. Right? Is that what it says? What does it say? It's good for a man not to touch one. <laughs> it's good. And, and if, if, uh, uh, to avoid fornication, what do you do? Man, you get married. I'm a real big proponent of marriage. But I'm not a real big proponent of guys and girls putting their hands all over each other beforehand. And, you know, this is hitting me hard because, man, we've got, uh, as you can probably take, uh, you know, the situation going on in South Africa, got guys messing up their life and their testimonies for doing this stupid stuff. And they're going to be out of the ministry for a long time. And they hurt their testimony in a horrible way. And they're destroying lives. Not just that, they're destroying young girls' lives. And I put that on the guy because, guys, you're supposed to be leading. It's not to say that the girl is innocent, but I'm saying, guys, you're supposed to be leading. Uh, what kind of decisions are you making? You know, how, you know, you're in a mission training school. How close are you to being a missionary? How close are you to be able to say, hey, that guy, uh, man, these, these men, your pastors can look on you and say, man, these young people are set for the mission field. I know they still have a, young, a year's worth of credit they have to complete, but man, if, if, they, if they come to me and said, oh, I had all my credits and I would sign the paper now because I have so much confidence in them. Because you understand, guys, it's, it's a cute thing. And we look at, I look at Jason and Ashley, and you know it's a cute thing. They're, the way that Jason and Jeff and Ty and uh, Brother Steve look at these people, I mean, we're like, these, these are just babies. They're just kids. They're, it's just a, you know, oh, how sweet. They're romantically, they're going to the mission field. And sometimes you can look at that. But understand, these are not kids. These guys are entering a battle that they don't understand. They're coming to understand it. And it looks so romantic on the outside. And I can show you pictures of South Africa and some of the most beautiful places you've ever been in your life. And I'm telling you, the beauty after a month goes away. And you're like, stink. I've got to learn this language. I've got to deal with these people. I've got to work with these people. I can't do it. And uh, some people tease me and says, you know, hey, man, yeah, it's easy to be a missionary in South Africa. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, hey, i got a plenty of applications. <laughs> Not a lot of people are taking those applications. Uh, but let's, you know, keep the heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. What are you putting in your heart? Are you reading missionary biographies? Are you reading books on, on soul winning, on discipling, on Bible studies? Are you, are you reading books on leader training? Are you preparing yourself for what you're going to face ahead? 
Because, guys, the things that you pour in your heart, uh, that's going to come out. But, man, let me, I'm going to date myself, but if, if all you're doing is pouring Garth Brooks and Miley Cyrus and, and uh, what's, the, what's your favorite TV show, Blaine? <laughs> man, if you're wasting all your time on, on those things and you're putting those things in your heart, guys, you know, you got to be preparing for battle. You got to understand that you're, you're you got two years, and it's kind of like a two-year boot camp in the sense that you're preparing to go into war. You're going into a ground that Satan has control over. You're going into a ground where you know he he we're we're very outnumbered, except we got God, so he outnumbers everybody. <laughs> But you're going to grant, he's not going to let you by easily. He's not going to say, hey, oh, you got, oh, you know, I'll just ignore you. You go, go ahead and try to take over that city, take over that community, take over this country, take over this continent. He's, he's fighting against it tooth and nail. And the, the seriousness, you know, I, I want to see. The guys that, that are here to prepare, I want you to have that seriousness about your life. That there's a certain discipline that you understand. And I understand. When, you, when, when I went to Bible college, uh, my first week, it was a rude awakening. Uh, I had to, uh, I had dorm duties. And, and I had 8 o'clock classes and I had the homework and, I, you, know, I, you know, I had to, it was, it was crazy. I had to learn a lot of things quickly. Uh, but a lot of times it's like you have these things that you, you face and you're like, oh, they're hard, and I ignore them. And you never learn how to clean. You never know how to do your homework. You never, and you're just kind of like dragging by. And we've had that. We had, when I, Bible college I went to, we had those people. They just dragged by, and they ended the semester with 130 demerits, and they were doing, they were cleaning kitchen to get demerits down because if they had... 135, they're going to get kicked out for the semester. Uh, I don't think Jason ever had to do that. He didn't ever had to do that. I had some friends that were in that situation. <laughs> I had some friends that were in that situation. Uh, but there's no seriousness about it. And usually when, you know, when there's no seriousness about it, then we can look at them 10, 15, 20 years, and there's still no seriousness about it. And as I think of this group, man, there's so much potential. As Christ had his 12 disciples, and he changed the world. And we have more than 12 people in here. And I really believe we can change the world with the gospel. I really believe we could, man, establish teams of missionaries in every country around the world or in strategic places to reach every country around the world. I really believe that. This our generation, training center, this idea is reaching the world in our generation. And, um, you know, just going to start a church and just going to, to, to learn a language, just, man, we've got to go with a mindset. Now, what can we do to reach this country and this continent with the gospel? Man, spend time with Jason Holt. Find out what he's doing in Chile. Their strategy. Because he's not just saying there's, hey, we're in a race to see if I can start the most churches 
And if I start the most churches at the end of the race, I, have, I win. No, it's a strategy of saying, man, what? Man, there's millions of people in, in, the, in the country of Chile that are dying and going to hell. And God has called us to get the gospel to every creature. And what are we doing to do that? As I think of South Africa and, uh, you know, working as a missionary there is very overwhelming. 55 million people. And after 10 years, we feel like we've barely scratched the surface. We feel like we're, we're never going to be able to accomplish this. But then when you, you think of, man, what the Lord, the Lord can do things beyond our abilities yep. and take us beyond ourselves. Yep. If we think of the other, as, as, as I serve as the, the Africa representative, um, the field representative, and, and all these other countries start opening up and, and having the, learning about them, the, the overwhelming feeling doesn't go away. And I'm like, what are we going to do? We don't have much time left. We've got to impact Zambia with the gospel. We have to impact Botswana and Zimbabwe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, what about Eswatini and Lesotho? Man, what about Mozambique? Man, what, what, what about when we're getting in these... Nate Wilkerson's going into Benin and uh, nothing going on in that country. Nigeria will be in the next 50 years probably in the top three populated countries in the world. Nothing going on in Nigeria. And I'm not saying, when, when, and understand my, my states, I'm not saying there's not anybody working there. I'm saying in comparison to the need. Sure. Right now I believe um, that Brother Holmes told me there in, in his uh, group of churches that he weeks, works with, he said I think there's 125 independent Baptist churches in the country of Nigeria, and he works with 110 of them. And not even scratching the surface. We went into um, Nigeria, Buja, Nigeria, a few months ago. And what was the name of that dome place? The Glory Dome. They have 100,000 people attend their service every week. 100,000. This dome is incredible. And I was with Graham. I said, hey, can we just uh, drive by and see if they'll let us, you know, give us a tour? And he's like, well, I've never done it before, so we'll, we'll try it. We drove and walked in, and the guy gave us a tour. And, uh, man, the place was massive. And it's 100,000 people every week hearing a false gospel. Wealth and, uh, health and wealth, prosperity gospel junk. That's what's taking over Africa. That we're competing against ancestral worship and... How are we, how are we, you know, how are we going to go against that stuff? How are we going to go into South America and, and go against the, the, the Catholic religion and, the, and the, the heritage there? And, you know, just thinking about the, the past generations of family members that are in that religion. How are we going to... It's going to take warriors. It's not going to take guys who are messing around on, on the internet. It's not going to take guys who are spend more time playing video games than they do on discipling and winning souls. It's, there, there's there's got to be a seriousness about it, guys.
um, Pastor Steve here, when Pastor Steve visited our country um, last year, and uh, he told me it was his favorite place to ever be in, in the entire world. So, <laughs> it's a, so just if you, if he if he says something contrary to that, he changes what he's told me. <laughs> uh, but we had a great time, and while he was there, he was uh, we had a I, I had hired a taxi driver by the name of Kaya. And he was taking our groups around because we had two churches there at the same time. Um, a group from Emmanuel Baptist in uh, Corona, Michigan, and then his church uh, were there uh, that Chase laid down. And why, if you know Brother Steve, he's going to talk to people about Bible studies. Uh, but while he was there, he was talking to Kaya, asking about his salvation. And Kaya said, yeah, I'm a Christian, which everybody in, you talk to in South Africa, they're going to say they're a Christian. Uh, he had went to apostolic church when he was a kid, uh, and but by, by the end of that, you know, he he was waiting outside the taxi during services, and he just happened one day just to say, "Well, I'm going to sit in the service when Brother Steve was preaching," and he said, uh, "He said when he was preaching, something hit me, and I've never felt like that before in a message." And I talked to him. I said, "Well, hey, how do you how do you feel about doing a Bible study?" And I talked to him, and the group left and started doing Wednesday evening Bible studies because we have our midweek on Thursday night. And uh, I started having a Bible study with him and his family. Um, and and uh, it was probably six weeks going on, no no movement, no profession of faith, no nothing. It was just Bible study. Bible. And I was I preached the gospel, preached the gospel, go up, preach the gospel again, try and say, please, you know, someone... Uh, and then finally, after about six weeks, I came in. I said, "Hey, guys, you know, there's there's someone here. It's time to make a decision for Christ." And he says, "Yes, it is. It's it's time for me to trust Christ." And there was 15 teenagers at this time sitting around us. And I said, "Well, Kaya, are you ready?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm ready." And uh, and Kaya trusted Christ as his savior. And last night, Kaya called me. Uh, because I'm out, and Kaya called me, um, and he had me on video video call, and he showed me a room of 15 or 20 teenage boys that he was teaching in the Bible study uh, last night. And he says, you know, and Kaya, Kaya's like 55, 56 years old. He's getting up there. I don't usually work with that age people, but... Uh, <laughs> In, in the in this setting, anyway, sorry, preacher. No, uh, uh, but one thing, the one one thing we struggle with in South Africa, as far as men getting that, there's the older men getting them in church. So one thing, you know, Pastor Steve is always uh, challenges us with Bible studies. Bible studies. Well, I said, you know what, I'm going to do. I'm going to start instead of just doing Bible studies with teenagers, young people. I'm going to make a target of 30 and above married people, uh, of, of adult men that I can do Bible studies with because that's the worst demographic that we have in our churches. So I'm going to start, you know, I'm just, that's who I'm going to do Bible studies with. And Kaya was the first one I asked, and he was the first one he accepted. Um, and now Kaya is, every Sunday he's doing offering devotionals. Uh, he's helping me lead Bible studies. He's, he's, he's going to be breaking off into his own Bible studies. Um, and two weeks ago, two of those teenage boys Trusted Christ as their Savior. And he's teaching them baptism next week. Guys, we need 
warriors. We need people who are serious about doing something for God. And understand, the warriors, ladies, you don't understand how important you are in ministry now, but you don't understand how important you're going to be in ministry once you are married and there with your husband. You will make or break him. The attitude that Ashley is, is conveying, you know, it's been a very difficult thing for Ashley. Ashley is one of the most bubbly people I've ever met. And one thing she doesn't have a problem with is talking to people. And it's funny that the girls are naming her listener. I'm like, wow, uh, <laughs> you don't really know her. No. <laughs> this has been very difficult for her. And she's, she, had, she was at a crosswords where she could say, I could be a, a supportive wife and help my husband, husband succeed on the mission field, or I could become a girl who sabotages him to get us off this field. And we have a ton of women who have sabotaged their husbands. Don't do that. Don't be that girl. Don't, don't have such a walk with God that you're saying, I'm not going to allow Satan to stop me. I'm not going to quit. There's too much at stake. And understand, he gave too much for me to quit. You know, it's, we are not um, sacrificing on the level that he sacrificed. Doesn't even come close. And we have to understand that he died on the cross for our sin. He took my place. If it wasn't for him, I would be on my way to hell. There would be no salvation. There would be no chance. But he did it all for me. And I look at my kids, I look at Emily, and I look at Luke, I look at Chase, and Tyler, and Addison, and I'm like, man, I'm glad that Christ died for them too. And I want all of my kids to go to heaven. But man, there's a lot of other kids around the world that I don't even know that God loves just as much as my kids. And you could think, of, just think the person that you love the most, that you care about the most, and picture that person in hell. And you're like, man, there's, I, no, I've got him. Hopefully, you, probably that person is a saved person now. And you're like, man, I'm glad to know he's not in hell. But understand, God loves those people around the world that's never heard about him a billion times more than you love that person. So we're in South Africa and it gets hard. And, and Ashley says, I want to quit. She's not going to say, I'm not going to quit because I love my husband. She's going to say, I'm not going to quit because I love my Savior. Because that's the, ultimately the only thing that's going to keep us from quitting. We've seen, we've seen a lot of people quit. And the advice that Chase gave is your relationship with God. But let me, let me don't, play, don't tell me you have a good relationship with the Lord if you're not keeping your heart in it. And the idea of keeping your heart is guarding your heart. And it says here, with all diligence. I'm intentional. 
I intentionally don't go places I don't need to go. I intentionally don't put myself in a compromising situation with the opposite sex. I'm intentionally not watching something. I'm intentionally putting guards up. I'm being intentional about it because I understand everything that goes in my heart is going to affect my actions. Any questions, comments, no. complaints? No. Anybody have any questions? It's very good. No. Sometimes there's no need for a question because it hits home, right? No. And that's not a bad thing. That's for, uh, you know, even in the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11, he said, let every man examine himself. Nobody needs to tell you what you're doing. Just examine yourself. And all of us want to be used of the Lord. But if we're not careful, we sabotage ourselves. And it's not God's fault, right? And so um, examine yourself. I mean, like, let's, I think that, I love Proverbs 4.23. What a great truth. He said, you know, with all diligence, intentionally, you know, avoiding or, you know, keeping yourself that, that discipline or whatever. So, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to hand the microphone over to the real preacher of the family. Um, if you have any questions for Mark um, before uh, the Mrs. Coffee speaks. Um, then, yeah, <laughs> um, Anybody? All right. Amy, if you don't mind. We follow up with that, or uh, any of the ladies want to ask questions, whatever, however you feel most comfortable. Um. There's two mics. We have just started recording a lot of things, okay. and we've lost audio, and so we are, you know, we're in the hands of the Lord, it's in the hands of God, so we have Delta security going on. Mm. You know, I would just add the beauty of being single is that you can be particular about who you marry. They just talked about how important the relation, the marriage relationship is. Chase mentioned it, and Mark mentioned it. You do not, if you see character, major character flaws with someone you're interested in, you don't have to marry them. <laughs> and um, be picky. I was talking to someone a few months ago. She said, maybe it's my cross to bear to marry this particular person. <laughs> she, I, oh no! <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> So it is. Wasn't me. Audrey, you marry your best friend. It wasn't Audrey. It wasn't Audrey. But just. Um, it was the girl talking about the guy, possibly. Yeah, it was the girl talking about the guy. Just be careful who you date, who you marry. Don't settle. Um, you know, there's a lot we can do. Women, there's a lot you can do single. I know you feel like your 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 ultimate goal is marriage, but be be productive for the Lord now. Serve the Lord now, and um, I would just encourage you not to settle. Usually, the character, you know, Mark when we dated, <laughs> I mean, there was there was you you can grow together, but what you see, he he's the same person he was then. We've both grown, but I knew I was marrying a godly man. And it, it's, you think marriage is the solution for everything. Once you marry this guy, marry this girl, they're going to be better. That's not usually how it works. So I would just encourage you to, to pray that the Lord gives you a godly spouse and don't settle for someone who's not. Um, 
and, and just what they said, um, spiritual warfare is real, and it's hard to be in the midst of the battle. It's hard to watch your husband, your spouse, fighting these bullets. And so you really have to have, not to be repetitive, but you have to have a strong personal walk with the Lord. And it's important. It's vital. And um, continue studying and growing. Don't ever think, I'm not a student anymore. I've arrived. Always be reading the books. Read marriage books. Read missionary books. Read the biographies. Don't stop. Um, just because you've checked off your class time does not mean you, you don't need to continue being a student of, of God's word. Um, you know, we've been on the mission field for 10 years now. And every year, we just had a situation with one. We had a, a, a girl... She was WhatsApping me, voice messaging me, just sobbing. She was, she was being abused by her mom um, to the point her mom literally pulled hair out of her head, like almost scalped her. And so I knew she was going to come to the youth home. I, I had no doubt in my mind that's what was going to happen before I even talked to Mark about it. I knew that was going to happen. But the burden, like the heaviness that I felt, I have to help this girl. How am I going to help this girl? Um, I... You know, I, I immediately started researching counseling books, and, and it's just, it's 10 years. I'm 10 years into this, and I'm still just like, I am not adequate for this, Lord. Please help me. So just always be a student. Always know that you got to continue to grow, um, and just always be a student. Any questions? <laughs> um, what are some ways that you can, uh, like, specifically to encourage your husband on this? <coughs> Do I? <laughs> <laughs> you know, not the, for one, don't don't discourage him. Mark is a visionary, and I'm bad about this. He's always got a new project, a new plan, and I'm very. I just took a personality test. <laughs> I'm very. Um, I've got to study it all out. I've got to think about it. I got to pray about it. I got to digest it. I don't think that's all bad. Mark is just like. Phew. We gotta do this. We gotta adopt twins. We gotta do this. We gotta do this. And my my initial reaction is to put the brakes on him, and I need to do better at that. To to know, I know he he walks with the Lord. I know he's talking with the Lord, and I have to trust him in that. I have to um, trust his decision decision making. It's not to say that we can't bounce things off of each other. Her babe. brakes help me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> First time. <laughs> so. I'm not trying to encourage her to keep breaking me. We've got to talk through some things, but to be, you can, um, what's the phrase in Spanish? Agua de, like, I could, I could douse water on him quickly. His, his excitement, if I'm, not, if I'm not careful, I can constantly be the water on his excitement, and you don't need to be that. Uh, I pray for him, encourage him, tell him when, he's, when things are going great, um, even when things are going bad, you don't have to like tell him <laughs> like that stunk. <laughs> but um, no, there's all things. There's all kinds of things that that you can do to encourage your husband, and vice versa. The the man can definitely encourage the woman as well to because you're in it together. I told Mark yesterday, the day before, man, I can't imagine if we weren't on each other's team. We were we were talking about just this disaster of a situation I was like man I can't imagine if I didn't have you like could you imagine if we were dealing with this without each other and you you need to be that for your spouse for your future spouse
Good. Anybody else? Ladies, this is a wonderful opportunity. I, I think all the advice that, that you receive from a man from from the woman is a good thing. Right now, you get the the opportunity to specifically ask the missionary wife, and so that's a marvelous thing. Go ahead. Yeah, what are some of the books that you keep going back to? Um, so just recently, um, I read. Elizabeth Elliot's Suffering is Never for Nothing. I've read Nancy Davis Moss's, um, what's it called? Heaven Rules. Um, there's a few marriage books that I keep on repeat. I keep Control Girl, literally read it every year. Um, it's a huge, it's a huge book. I think everybody, especially women, have a little bit of, uh, they have to keep the reins on things. And on the mission field, it's even tenfold. Look, things get out of our control so much. And reading this book the first time, it was an eye-opener to me. I try to control how our marriage functions. I tried to control my kids. I wish I had a do-over with my kids sometimes because I was so controlling of them. Not trusting the Lord is what it ultimately went back to. So that's on repeat for me. Um, what have I read recently? Um, I'll have to go look at my Kindle, but um, those are just a few of them. I listen to podcasts, I listen to audiobooks. It's not just always reading. Mm -hmm. So Leslie Lundy, Lundy, Lundy's um, podcast is a really good podcast. I, I listen to it much. I'm reading some books on counseling. I can't remember. Um, I'm very big into mythetic counseling that God's word is sufficient for all our situations, for all crises that we go into. And it, you have to fight against it. Every culture I've ever <coughs> been into ha is seeping in with with God's word isn't sufficient for it. Even Christian counseling, you have to be careful that you're not reading stuff or applying stuff that says God's word can't help every situation because it can. So I'll read lots of counseling books. Jay Adams has some good books. I was just gonna add, you know, I, I, I in my testimony at Vision the other day, I said, if something happened to Mark, I don't know that I'd leave South Africa. I love South Africa, it's home. And so I'd have a very skewed point of view for you girls right now about the realistic um, first two years. But Ashley has a real view right now. So y'all would be super wise just to pick her ear and to ask her questions, spend time with her, ask her how it is. Women try kind of romanticize stuff. I don't know if that's all y'all. But, you know, once we're, we have a husband, we're on an airplane, we get to set up house, like it's all romantic. And it's all exciting, and that's the cure-all to everything. Being with your husband on an airplane, setting up house, winning souls for the Lord, cute little black girls, cute little Spanish girls. Like it's all. But Ashley just just had her eyes wide open to what reality is, and um, she's 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 <laughs> she's she's figuring it out. So she would just be a, such a good source for you guys to. <laughs> to ask questions with, to spend time with her while she's here, if, if she's available. Anybody else? Ladies or gentlemen? Anybody else? You know, something that um, God has blessed us with is that you should be able to rub shoulders with those that are currently in the battle. The other, the iron sharpens iron, right? 
And uh, that's a wonderful thing. And so, you know, pick people's ears. And she said, like, like, ask them, question them. You do not have to push through on your own. Sometimes there are certain areas in life which you must learn to, you know, just push through. But thank the Lord, many times God's given us people right next to us that are in the battle that want to help you. They're in that foxhole with you, right? And uh, so ask them. That would be a great thing. Anybody else? Five, four, we're going to switch subjects if not. Five, four, three, two, anybody? One. Okay, I'm going to direct if, if we can. Um, so, Pastor Holt, we have 15 minutes. We're going to close down at 10.15 to take a break. And so, um, I'm sorry, Matthew, could you grab that and bring that over to Pastor Paul, please? I apologize for all the mics. Um, this is going to help us make sure we get one of the recordings for sure. And if we lose both, we, just, we give up. Okay, I'm going to stand just because I know I will. Eventually, I don't want to hit that uh, ceiling. That's just uh, my, my personality. So um, I'll just keep standing behind Mark so it makes him uncomfortable. But, um, but uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a book that my wife read. And, and uh, the lady can be a little extreme on other things, but it's created to be his helpmeet by Debbie Pearl, I think. Now, I'm just telling you, when my wife read this book, I thought she got saved. And um, I mean, it... It, it had that much of an impact on her. So I will tell you, you know, you're, uh, most ladies that read it, you have to, because it is, but it's good. It's good. So I will tell you, that's, that's a, just from, from the husband's perspective, I, I was like, hey, what's happened to you? You know, I mean, I, I asked her that. So um, a, lot, a lot of great things. I'm, well, let, me tell you, let me tell you why I love vision. I love vision for the very thing that's happening today, and I want you to make sure you take advantage of this, is sucking the brains out of people that have been there. It's why, you know, I mean, people tell me all the time, right? So Jacob and Damaris are here, and I've got friends, you know, they say, oh, Steve, you should train Jacob. And, and that's very biblical, right? And so I, I'm, he's, he's trusting me and, and all this. And so it is, I told him this, I want you to rub shoulders and suck the brains out of Ty, out of Jeff, out of, out of uh, Travis, out of all these folks. Jason, when you're in, that's, that's what makes this different, right? I want to tell you this. If this becomes a textbook, it's, it's going to crush you. Amen. Don't ever let this become a textbook. Okay, so don't let this become a textbook. You know, I'm, 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 I'm sort of a, a school guy, not really. But um, so don't, don't get overschooled, right? And so I, I want to encourage you. So let me just tell you what, what they're talking about. And this is the Lord's just, my epiphanies are, are mud puddles. But, um, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and charity. And the greatest of these is charity. <clears throat> well, too bad my greatest weakness is charity. So I've always focused on that all my life is how to be more loving, how to be more warm, how to be more kind. Everybody that knows me, they joke, right? You love I mean, hugs. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like hugging people, right? And so, um, so I, I realized that. I felt so bad when Ashley walked in. I was like this. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, but uh, she felt so cold, right? But um, so I want to tell you this, though, but I've, I've just what I've seen is, you know how the Lord deals in trilogies throughout the Scripture, you know, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, just all over the Scriptures. Faith, hope, and charity. I want to tell you this. It's just a simple thought that's revolutionized my life just in the last month. I, um, I'm the kind of guy that uh, I want to plan the rest of my life. And you've got to have a plan. But let me tell you, um, so I, I just had some surgery on my nose, uh, some cancer there, some cancer in my back, but it's all good. 
It's all good, no issues. And so, um, but even prior to that, and it's not really been an issue, that word's a terrible word, cancer, but it's all good. It is, um, you know what I'm gonna do? I woke up this morning and I've been waking up this way every day. Lord, I wanna serve you today. Will you give me the faith? Will I have the faith just to honor you today? Those issues that Mark talked about, you know what? Here's, here's, I've been there, I've been there. We've all been there. You know, I've been like, Lord, is this the last time I'm going to deal with this issue? <laughs> and you know, then I, I pray and I really, I say, I don't even know if I know what repentance is sometimes, right? And I say, you know, then I come out and I go, I will not do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know what? And then we all get discouraged. I will tell you this, by God's grace, I'm going to live for the Lord on Friday. And uh, you know what? I'm telling this. I'm going to believe the Lord that I can overcome my besetting sins. I'm going to believe the Lord that I can have victory today. I will tell you, I've been just viewing the scriptures differently. Faith, hope, and charity. If you, if you don't have those, you will be hurt. You see, hope. You know, preachers, we can preach, and I think we ought to preach against sin. We ought to preach strongly against sin. But you ought to give some hope. Right? And, and it's faith. It's faith in the one. We trust that he's going to uh, secure our eternity. And yet we don't believe he can help us overcome sin. And so I want you to just know this. Take a deep breath. Jesus told us this in Matthew 6, right after he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He said, Let tomorrow take care of itself. There's enough evil for today to deal with today. We seem to worry about tomorrow. And we're not really living for him today. Just today. Just live for Jesus today. I want to encourage you with that. I want you to encourage us. Have the faith that God will help you have victory. The, the other thing, just quickly, um, that I, I just, uh, I, I, I want to ask you this. Just somebody tell me. Why do you want to be a missionary? Just quick, 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 quick. Why do you want to be a missionary? Why do you want to be a missionary? Why not? Okay. All right. Why do you want to be missionary? All right. That's good. I like that. Why do you want to be missionary? To bring the gospel to those who don't really have a chance to hear it. Okay. Okay. Why do you want to be missionary? Jesus commanded us to go. Jesus commanded us to go? Okay. Why do you want to be missionary? How will they hear? How will they hear? I will tell you this. You know, you know why I live? Now, let's be clear. I want to, and, I, and I, I've got too much to say, but it is, uh, I want to live for the glory of God. But I will tell you, that's, it's all about his honor. But I will tell you this, I want to see people saved. That's why I live. I, there's nothing else. I, I've lived long enough. I, that's, that's really, it's, it's why I live. I want to see people know Christ. I want to see them go from death unto life. I trust that's why you're a missionary. You want to plant churches that reach people so that people will be saved. And they'll go from death unto life, darkness unto light. I want to ask you this. What are you doing today to reach souls? I've told Jacob, I said, if you take a hiatus, and I said, don't, don't you dare, you know, everybody like, I mean, this is a foreign country for me. Have you heard his accent? I mean, um, it's like uh, Georgia. You know, I've heard this before. I, I'm going to come down here with an attitude. And uh, they say, oh, you know, door knocking doesn't work here. I don't care. You know, how are you going to reach people? How are you going if, if you spend your time here at Vision and you don't reach one soul, what makes you think it's going to be easier when you go to 10 buck two? I just, I, 
I mean, I, I can tell, you know, when, when young people play video games, all they want to do is on their phone, you know what, they're bored with Jesus. Just admit it. You want to spend your life doing that stuff? You're bored with Jesus. You know why people don't read the Bible? You know why people don't study the Bible? They think it's boring. That's the truth. I want to challenge you with this. Remember, one day at a time, one day at a time. I want you to at least be bothered that you didn't tell somebody about Jesus one day. I want you to be concerned. I need to reach people for Jesus Christ. I think this is the perfect setting for him because he's in a foreign land right now. I said, guess what? You better be, I told him this. I said, you better have a baby before you come home for Christmas. Now look, God's the one, and not a spiritual baby, okay? I mean, <laughs> you guys, I mean, after that, you know, but they, they had a heart attack in South Africa when I said that too. I was like, are you guys not with me? Um, I'm talking spiritual babies, right? God gives the increase. But I ask our church all the time, could anyone have been saved this past week with anything you talked about? You know, you've heard this before. How many have heard this statement? 10% of the people do 90% of the work. How many of you have heard that before in churches? Well, I'm telling you, that's not the kind of churches you want to plant. Right. You know why 10% of the people do 90% of the work? Because I think 90% of the people are lost. That's terrifying. You know, it wouldn't be too difficult. Is it crazy? Is it a crazy thought that says each believer might reach one soul per year? Is that a crazy thought? If that happened, our churches would double every year. It's not even close to happening. And so I want to I challenge you with this. And so this will be real quick. It's um, just I want to ask you this. What are you doing to reach people for Jesus Christ in this community? If you can't reach people for Jesus Christ here, I'm telling you, it's easier here than any place in the world. Easier here. Because, you know, you go to some places in the world, you have to tell them who God is. Right? I mean, I, I've talked to Mark Tolson and these guys over in China and places, and they're like, oh, they, I, I just like, like, oh, wow, yeah, you do have to start from ground zero. Who is God? I just want to encourage you with that. So I'll, I'll give you what I, I'm, I'm, I guess, maybe infamous for, but the Great Commission. Do you want to be a Great Commission Christian? There's two teaches in it. Go you therefore and teach all nations. And it's given to the Lord's churches because individuals don't have the authority to baptize. We know Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you to law and with you always, even if there's two teachers. I want to ask you this. Who are you teaching that's lost? I ask Baptist preachers this all over the place. The number one response I get from Baptist preachers in America, when I look at them, I say, who are you teaching that's lost? And they go, what do you mean? And I said, I mean whatever it meant in Matthew 28, 19. It's a foreign concept. You know what kind of churches I want you to plant? I want you to plant churches that every single person in that church, they are reaching people and they are teaching people. I, I'm still trying to do that here in the United States. I'm trying to start a revolution. I tell people this. You know, I mean, I tell people when they come, I said, well, we had two options, Hope Baptist Church or Transfer Baptist Church. I said, we chose Hope. <laughs> and I said, because we're not really interested in transfers, right? I said, I'm trying to train Navy SEALs here, so I don't want you to interrupt us. If you're not interested in teaching people the gospel, I've got a good church you can go to. You can be a deacon and never reach one soul for Christ. All over America. America's a mess, yes? It's because of Christians. It's not because of the Democrats. 
the Republicans, it's not because of sinners. It's because we're not being salt and light. And so I want to challenge you with this. Is, uh, it's hard work. You know why we don't do it? Because it's hard work. I just want to challenge you with this, right? I love Mark. You know one of the things I love about Mark more than anything is, um, is uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> is um, I really don't want to influence people that much that are in the battle, but Mark, Mark took my challenge. And I will tell you this. You want to be a happy person? Read Souls for Jesus Christ. If you haven't done it, you don't understand the joy that's in John 15. Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. That's reproduction. And he said, I tell you these things that your joy might remain and that your joy might be full. You know, the average Christian, while they don't look too happy, they've never reached one person for Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you with this. If you want to be a missionary to the foreign field, you need to be reaching people for Jesus Christ right here. And the way it is, is the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I tell people this all the time. Um, we have people, you know, they'll, they'll visit our church. And I said, wow, I said, how'd it go? How'd it go? They go, you know, and I'll be like, it's dro like dropping into microbiology week seven and thinking you're going to get something out of it. But that's everybody. I say, I'd love to teach you the Bible. Would you let me teach you the Bible? And so here's what, here's what Baptist preachers tell me in America. They go, how do you have the time? And I said, you know what? I've been a preacher for 11 years now. And I said, I know, I know you've got tons of time. Now, I'm not bivocational. Bivocational means you're working for income, and that, that is, that's kind of the historical, biblical way. But I'm talking to preachers that aren't. I'm telling you this. I, uh, I can't find, now you, you'll be shocked, I can't find one place where I'm supposed to do hospital visits. It's our church that's supposed to do that. I'm part of it. I'm not going to be overwhelmed with that. You know what I'm going to be overwhelmed with? I'm going to be overwhelmed with the Word of God and prayer. That's what it said in Acts chapter 6, right? I tell preachers, if you don't have time to go having Bible studies, don't expect your church to have Bible studies with lost people. If you don't do it, who has more freedom in their schedule? Jason, you're probably more busy. Mark, you're more busy than anybody in your church, in your churches, but it's this. You, you can cancel any time. Boom, got to cancel it. I got to go down to Georgia to cancel Bible studies today. I don't cancel them with lost people, but I'll cancel them with, you know, disciples. They can handle it. I mean, I'm just, that's, that's my reality. That's why I didn't come till late last night because um, I had a Bible study with a lost guy. His motorcycle broke, so he didn't end up having it. But anyway, um, that happens too. But I want to tell you this, the joy of the Lord. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Never forget that. Never forget that. Why are you here? You are here to learn how to go, but you need to get with it now. There should be an abundance of people being saved. And I'm not looking for easy believism. I'm telling you this. I'm not looking at, hey, bow your head, repeat after me. I'm saying this. Let me teach you the Bible. I had a young man yesterday. This is just a gift of God. He, he emailed us and, and he said, I want to be a member. And I called him and I said, uh, are you born again? Because in Cincinnati, it's heavily Roman Catholic. Roman Catholics hate that term, and at least in Cincinnati. Um, so I use it because it will immediately tell me if you're Roman Catholic. And uh, he goes, I don't even know what that means. I said, hey, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to have a Bible study with you. Met with him yesterday. I mean, we went through the gospel, taught him the gospel, and uh, he's still lost, but he's super close. I'll tell you, there's nothing like it. Sitting across from somebody and teaching them about the... You know what I love? I love this. It, it wasn't old. Was it old telling us, reminding us how Jesus died for us? You know what? It enriched my heart. 
I just, I, you know what? Because we can forget that. I've got a, I've got a, a, a bulletin for you here. Jesus is real. Amen. That's right. Am I the only nut in this room that has to remind myself about that sometimes? Amen. Right? Yeah. We get so busy in the work right. that we forget there is someone that we are doing it for. Yeah. Right? Yep. I mean, it's, I, I want to just encourage you. I mean, you can do it. You can teach the Bible. You know what will change this? You'll find out you really don't know it until you teach it. I talked to a 67-year-old man two nights ago, and he gave me a glorious testimony how he was saved when he was 46. I said, are you ready to teach people? He said, I'm not. I said, you need to grow up. I just met him five minutes before that. But he understood that. I said, you're a 21-year-old baby. And I said, don't you think it's about time to grow up? Tears came down his eyes. He said, I think it is. I said, you have to be one week ahead. Why don't you teach somebody the Bible? Amen. You know why you don't have Bible studies? Because you're not asking. Let people say no. Try, try. People have to tell me, leave me alone. I keep texting them. Hey, I'm not sure if you're getting my text, right? <laughs> because here, here, here's, here's kind of my philosophy. My philosophy is this. I already don't have them. How much worse can I lose them? I'm going to be nice to him, but I'm a desperate man. And particularly when I don't have a lot of Bible studies with lost people, I mean, I'm a little obnoxious. I'll bully people to have a Bible study. I can't bully them to believe, but I'll bully them to have a Bible study. The Word of God's that powerful. I could tell you story after story after story after story. Watch the Word of God subdue people. Last night, I was having a Bible study with an ex-con. He just got out of jail three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago. Murder. So I was like, hmm. I, he seems, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, he, he's, he's tender. Let me tell you this. Let me, let me, I, I love books. I love books. But let me tell you, I know, I know you agree with me. It's the book. I was sitting, uh, this, this lady in, in here. Okay, I got two minutes. This lady wanted to meet with Deb and I. I never meet with a woman by myself, so um, my mistake was I drove separate, so then Deb was late. And um, <laughs> so I get to the church parking lot, and this woman's there, and she gets out of her car, and I get out of my car, and she just starts weeping. I mean, <laughs> and you know, I, I'm not a hugger, number one, and number two, I'm not hugging no woman in a parking lot by myself and have somebody drive up. So I'm just like... <laughs> You know, and I, I, I know I need to minister to her, and I'm trying. I'm like, Lord, I love my wife. Let her get here sooner rather than later. And I mean, she's just bawling. She's just bawling. She's just bawling. So Deb gets there, and she does the hug thing, and it was all good. And, um, and so we go into my office. We go into my office, and, and this woman is going on, and it was rough situation, right? And she's going on for 20, 30 minutes. And uh, I, the whole time, you know, I mean, you got as many of you that if you can be in, you don't have to be a, uh, an official missionary. When you're teaching people, you'll be in these circumstances and God will teach you. And all of a sudden I can, I, I'm like, Lord, I can tell she's gearing down. She's gearing down and she's going to look to me to say something. Nothing, Lord, there is nothing in my mind. Nothing, there is nothing here. I have nothing for her. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'm, and I'm, I'm like, it's like, you know, it's like 10, 
nine, Lord, I need, and so, I, I, how many of you guys have been in that situation? No, have you, have you? I mean, I'm like, okay, what am I going to say? And um, people that know me, right, I've, I already prayed, I'd already prayed, right? I'm like, let's pray again. You know, I, I didn't say that, I didn't say that, but it was, a, it was a still small voice in the back of my mind. The Lord just said this, and it was just so good. He said, teach her the Bible. I'd forgotten. <laughs> I've got the most powerful tool in the world, and the gospel is more powerful than any atom bomb. And I, I and then you know, immediately I'm like, where? <laughs> you know, so, and, and God gave me a passage to take her to. And I'll just say, this is the Lord. I'll just say this never forget this precious. I hope you love the Bible. It's the only way we know who Jesus is. And I want to tell you, it's um, when I finished the area that I taught her the Bible, she said this. She said, I am so encouraged. <laughs> I'm sitting there knowing what I know, and I'm like, Lord, you're so awesome. <laughs> Never forget how good God is. But remember this, one day at a time. I know you want to do what's right for the rest of your life. You know, average young man here, I hope, I hope you've overcome pornography, but you know what, how about, how about just today? How about today? And then when you wake up on Saturday, say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the faith that the Lord will help me with my thoughts and with my actions just today, just serving today. Amen. That was good. Uh, so we're going to take a break. Uh, yeah, just good morning. This is Ben Cherry. Come at you live from Friday class. All right, let's go ahead and start up. Um, we're going to, what's it? Um, okay. We're going to start up. Jacob had a good question, and he's going to gear that towards uh, Chase and Ashley. And uh, we'll take a couple minutes. They're going to answer, and I'll let you ask some questions. And then we'll move over back to Pastor Hall. Okay? So, Jacob, why don't yeah. you shoot that uh, question? I had the question, just what blindsided you most to go to the mission field? Because we're hearing so often, talk to missionaries, talk to missionaries, ask the questions. And I'm at the point where I don't even know what to ask. I, I, I don't know if anyone else is there, but talk to them like, about what? Like, and I want to know. It's like, where do I even begin? So what, what, what blindsided you the most? Uh, it's a great question. So for the microphone's sake, basically he asked, uh, he said that he doesn't really know what he doesn't know. So he asked what blindsided us the most. Uh, I will say my uh, situation is very unique because I did grow up there for six years. So things that may blindside other people who haven't really lived there before uh, is going to be a lot different than me. <clears throat> and I will also say, um, uh, and this is kind of a push for you guys, is that the training center really did prepare me very well. But I've been, I've been told this many a times over is that you get out of the training center what you want to get out of it. And so I've seen Bible college students come to the training center and for two <coughs> years uh, just really kind of go through the motions, just go take the test or whatever there is, uh, and not really get anything out of it. Uh, and then they come out of it blaming the Bible college. Uh, in reality, it was their fault for not uh, necessarily either being teachable or wanting to actually learn things. Uh, so as long as you continue to push to learn, uh, as pastor said, suck the brains out of these veterans. I think that's really going to help you prepare. Uh, but something that I guess I wasn't necessarily expecting as much uh, was 
uh, having to struggle so much in my daily devotions. Uh, I thought that in Spanish, um, uh, I guess learning the Bible language, uh, kind of like Bibleese, almost Christianese, it was a lot easier to learn uh, because I was around a bunch of church guys. Um, and it's just different with the, the language structure in Closa because we have to figure out how to structure language first. So I haven't been able to uh, learn as much of what I've wanted to. It's just a whole different dynamic. That really did blindside me because I thought I was going to be able to get something out of my Bible reading a lot quicker. Uh, and I'm, I'm finally able to start doing stuff slowly. I'm reading through John and uh, stuff like God. Uh, Jesus is God. And uh, whenever you read that in another language, it, it really does take you back and you can chew on that for, for that day. Uh, but um, I guess that was just the biggest blindside. But I'd say the biggest thing for me is uh, learn here. Uh, get prepared here. Uh, and if you truly take this seriously, it will prepare you. Uh, my, now my wife's going to give you a better answer because she didn't live there in South Africa. But here you go, love. How hard marriage is, I think, is what she's going <laughs> to... <laughs> well, about in America. You should see it. <laughs> um, really, a lot of the things that have blindsided me, Chase has, has really put things in perspective for me and help me to focus on eternity um, because you look at it and it's like all the little things can really bother you. Um, in South Africa, I think this this was it for me, is I had been there before, not for a super long period of time, but I had seen it. My family was there. Um, the life is very, I mean, there's, there's some things like we, our power goes off about three times a day and you're just like, ah. But even that hasn't been a huge issue for me. I mean, you just, like you just deal with that or you turn on the generator like it's really not that big a deal but I didn't think that I would struggle given these given these advantages if you will um and I just remember I remember when he he got ordained and sitting in that room and all of these seasoned ladies telling me the things I would struggle with and I think my mother-in-law said it she said you're going to be surrounded by people who love you who want the best for you who want you to succeed and you're going to feel like you're completely alone and you're gonna feel guilty for feeling that way. I mean, it's very true. Is I remember, I mean, there's just there's just days I just sit there and, I, and he'll ask me, I'm bawling my eyes out and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I, have, I have no idea because it's not one thing. It's all of these little things combined. Um, and really one thing I recognized for my own life is I, for 20, 22 years, I never left Alpharetta, ever. Like even once we got married, we moved five minutes away from my parents. Um, so something else that, and this is going to sound awful, I really didn't think I would miss my parents that much. Um, I just figured I've been wanting to go to the mission field for the past seven years and I've been preparing for it. So God's going to give me, you know, just this supernatural ability to like be this human who doesn't need their family. That's, that wasn't true. Like we got off the plane and I saw my dad and I was like, I never want to leave you ever again. Um, so, so that's been something that I've, I've had to deal with, which praise God. I mean, now I can, I can FaceTime them. I can call them. Like it's really, um, and it, it is, it is difficult. And I've really had to just trust the Lord because my parents, my parents still don't know the Lord. So really knowing that I can't, I can't pour into them as much as I would like to, but just trusting God that he'll bring the people in to speak to their life. Um, but recently I was, I was reading through James and, um, this verse always comes up and it, it's a, it's a really great reminder. James 1, 
2 through 3, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work at patience. And I didn't expect all that I would have in South Africa, the temptation to be lazy, the temptation to want to give up, the temptation to want to give into the devil's lies. But if I give into those temptations, I can't count them as joy. And the trying of my faith is going to have serious consequences. If I give into those, that joy dissipates because I've, I've been disobeying the Lord. So um, when I lean into the Lord, though, and I count those temptations as joy, then it's that feeling of overwhelming and stress and this is never going to end and my life is going to be awful forever and I'm never going to understand, you know, all these thoughts start going through your head and that, those temptations to just follow that rabbit trail and be discouraged. But then I say, no, like this is, this is what God has had. And again, that's why I'm so thankful for my husband to put things in that eternal perspective. Why are we here? Do you believe God has led us here? Do you believe God has called us here? And it just all kind of comes full circle. So um, I have to let patience have its perfect work in that way. And one thing that I, one thing that has really helped me through those hard times and through those tears <laughs> is just remembering my identity is not found in being a good missionary. My identity is not found in, in learning a language. Now that doesn't give me an excuse not to do it, <laughs> but that doesn't define who I am in Christ. So coming back to that of who has God made me to be and what can I what can I do to serve him? And it takes so much of the pressure off of me because I have to beg God to give me the ability to speak closer. I have to beg God to give me the ability to even get out of bed some days. So my faith has never been so tried and I'm very thankful that the Lord has seen it fit to to give me something hard because I mean, I told you I lived the same place my whole life. And looking back now, I just am like, Lord, I have never gone through anything hard. I know that sounds trivial, but I've never had to deal with a whole lot. Um, and I'm thankful. Like, I just can look back and realize how blessed I've been. But now that I, now that I am going through the hard thing, um, my tendency is to fall back into what I used to do, which is to just not do it. Um, but that's, that's not an option. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I really have to look at it and remember who am I in Christ and what does that, how does that dictate my actions today? Do I have a question? Yeah, I got a question. So how do you maintain your spiritual fullness? Um, so you're obviously trying to learn the cultural language, but then you're also trying to maintain your, like, your walk with God. So how, how do you maintain that balance of staying in your that's a good question. I'm sure that uh, the veteran missionaries here would give you a better answer. Uh, but I actually learned, uh, I, I had the same question whenever I was in Peru. And uh, so did Andrew Wilder and Mitch McCormick and Stephen Underwood. And so we all sat there and we were like, uh, almost like, how do we do this? And David, uh, he made a very simple answer. Uh, and he, he was like, Almost like, why didn't I think of that? But uh, truth is truth, right? And so we can dwell on truth. So whether it be something, like in English, uh, w saying God, uh, Jesus is God, like that's a kind of simple truth, right? But whenever you're, uh, whenever you're learning a language, that's a deep thing to learn whenever you've only been in the language for a month, you know? Uh, so 
the more that you learn the language, it's going to be better. Uh, but you're going to have to hide God's word in your heart prior so that you know scripture and you can dwell on scripture even while you're uh, not necessarily understanding what you're reading. But then while you are reading, uh, you can chew on Jesus as God. You can chew on uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, which uh, we learned one or two Bible verses a week. And so I think that's really helped me. Uh, and it's, I, I guess one of the exciting things about this is uh, the, that it forces you to depend more on God, uh, to learn the language, but also to get something out of the, uh, the, the Bible. Sometimes we go into the Bible and we forget to even ask God to speak to us uh, because we view it as a, a textbook. Uh, but as you are there and you're like, I have no clue what this says, God, please give me something for today. I mean, I'm going into battle. Uh, I'm the only light uh, within the next few miles. Uh, I mean, this is a dark place. I need your help. Uh, then you can really see God answer your prayers and to give you something out of it. It's just more evident that God is speaking to you. Uh, but just dwell on those simple things. Simple truths go a long way. And then uh, the further that you go into it, I think that the deeper you're going to be able to go. But if you don't have a spiritual walk prior to getting to the mission field, then you're really going to struggle. Uh, you've got to have that, that stronghold with Christ uh, to know his scripture prior to actually arriving on the field. You got any? Um, wake up earlier. That has That's always been my downfall, but you need so much more time to dissect scripture in another language. So you need, I mean, it takes me at least double or triple the time to really, really find anything, even if it's just one word. So I've, I've had to, I need to wake up earlier because otherwise that doesn't, that doesn't get done because it is, it's a lot harder. It's still a joy, but it's a lot more, it's a lot more mind power, <laughs> I guess. So it's, it's not as fun at first, but, uh, so you just need a lot, a lot more time. But just knowing that, I mean, all you have to do is know and prepare and then, and then just do it. I've got one more thing. Uh, some people have different views on this, but uh, some people say you can go ahead and read in English and the language that you're learning. And while you will get something out of your English, that's going to make you struggle even harder to get something out of your uh, your Hosa language or whatever you're reading. Uh, so um, I like the dependency on God and forcing myself to get into the language. Uh, so that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, but somebody else might be wiser than I am and say, no, read in English and that language. Uh, but I would say just stay in that language. Don't revert back to English. Um, that way you can truly begin to get stuff out of that, that language that you're learning. Anybody else? That's great. Jason, maybe you could say something about it. When, when did you uh, fully go into Spanish mode and read your Bible? What would you, not only how did you do that, uh, what would you recommend? And, and by the way, let me say this. Um, the beautiful thing about asking a lot of people or thinking it through, um, we have certain things in common, right? We want to see people saved. We want to see churches planted. We want to see men trained. Nevertheless, God did not make all of us the same. Nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that at all. Mm -hmm. Your spouse is not so-and-so's spouse. 
So don't be silly and try to make him or her like that other missionary's spouse, right? And you're not like them. So don't get frustrated. You might have to adjust a little bit. Um, the, uh, in military, they say, I don't, I don't remember now, there's, there's three of them. They say, when you land somewhere, you assess, you adapt, and I think it's overcome. And uh, so wherever you go, however it is, in any situation, you assess the situation, you adapt to it, and you can overcome it. So it might look a little bit different, but you're still getting towards the goal. So go ahead. I went down on a six-month internship to Latin America, had a basic high school level understanding of Spanish when I went down, which means I could ask, hello, how are you? Um, what is your uncle's name? You know, <laughs> important, important sentences that really don't help you that much. Uh, but in during that six months, I read my English Bible and kind of played with uh, Spanish, you know, piddled around a bit. When I went back for full language school, I already had a, a grasp on conversational Spanish. So then I decided I'm just going to read Spanish and Spanish only, and that was very challenging, and, and sometimes I would, I, I would be in between two stresses, one trying to know God and understand the scripture and get food for my soul, and then the other strain is, I'm not sure what this verse is even saying. Not that I don't understand what the spiritual implications are, I don't know what it's saying. <laughs> the, the Spanish words, I don't know what, what, what this is. So I've recommended people that are coming down because I, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself that if I am a good missionary, I have to only read in the new language. And I think that there's a lot of uh, benefit to, to doing that. At the same time, I've encouraged a lot of people that have come to Chile, um, relax a bit on that side, love Jesus, follow Jesus, um, fill your soul with him daily, and then dig into the scriptures in your new language um, but sometimes especially at the beginning and especially if, imagine if the characters are different if you're just going into a language where you know if I open up the the Hebrew Old Testament right now and someone says this is it for today I'm gonna be like all right there's a lot of scribbling here <laughs> it's like a chicken scratch I'm not really sure what I'm even looking at um, it would be quite quite difficult so I think that um, I, I, I have done exactly what Chase said. I think that there's a lot of, of wisdom and help in that. And I think that you also need to make sure that you're walking with Jesus and filling your heart with the truth. And so um, maybe some, somewhere between the two and every, every person can decide you know, how, how best to apply that. Good question. Anybody else that would, would like to add to that? <coughs> or another question? One thing is working on your devotion. Like if you're going to do something like what Chase does, a lot of times it's, you set a time limit on it. Uh, you say, well, I'm going to spend at least 30 minutes in my, in my Bible each morning in that new language. And then after that 30 minutes, if you have, you know, if you get, get, get anything of, out of it, you can always add, say, okay, I'm going to read a chapter in, in my English Bible before I finish. But it's amazing. And, you know, have you ever had a, a Bible plan where you, supposed to read four or five chapters a day uh, to finish your Bible in a year or in whatever amount of time. Once you, you kind of get into it, you're like, man, I wish I, I really, man, if I could just spend uh, 30 minutes just dwelling on these few verses, I'd probably get a lot more out of my Bible reading. Uh, just the 
this morning, Russell, and said, as you're doing the language, you understand how much is in a single verse. Uh, as you're pouring your time and life into that, you're like, wow, this is... So slowing down and not covering, not the amount of what you're reading, but the quality of what you're reading is very helpful. Um, and I would agree with the, the things that Chase and, and Jason said on that side, because I've done both of those things. There's some times, sometimes in my life where I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not reading. Uh, I, I need, I need uh, uh, to read some English because I don't know if it's old. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I need the power of God from on high to do uh, or to change me. Uh, so, but I think those, both of those are one thing I would add to that once you get into the language and you're understanding it pretty well to me I enjoy reading Spanish a lot more than English because when I read Spanish it's almost 3d where I am I, I can't help but observe every prepositional phrase and every um, command form verb conjugation and everything is just so clear when I read it because it, it's a language I learned as an adult and I'm, I appreciate the, the, the context, the meaning, the words and everything, and I, I get it quicker than even English because English, being my mother tongue, you can read through it pretty quickly and it's like I'm, I'm grasping all of this and just moving through, but in, in another language, and I've never learned anything outside of Spanish, but Spanish also with some of the conjugations and things, you can tell exactly who the subject of the verb is, and, and you can tell a lot of the, uh, the, the, the nuances of the verb just by the way that it's written. And I find it, uh, I read in English, I'm like, yeah, that's good. I read in Spanish, I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> Nothing against English. Um, but uh, uh, that should encourage you because once you get into the language, let's say six, nine months into language school, uh, you'll start turning the curve in, in Okay, now it's not just I'm pulling my hair out trying to read this, but you're like, oh wow, this is this is pretty neat. And then you get a year or two into it, and you could even start appreciating it and loving it more than than your original language uh, because of some of those factors. Anybody else want to add to or question? All right, we're going to make our way back to Pastor Hall. Could I? Yes. Uh, I get. Okay, uh, so Pastor Hall's going to go um, for another segment, and uh, so you can ask, if you'd like to ask him a question about what he said before, go ahead and ask, and if not, he's got the floor to speak on any subject that he deems worthy. All right, anybody have a question? Say anything? I have a question. Um, I'm doing a discipleship with um, a lady that's around my age that I Wednesday nights, and I'm finding that her faithfulness to church and to church services is not, it's, it's, it's starting to get less and less. Um, she's still super faithful to Bible study every week, um, communicating with me, but she's not coming to the services. Um, do you have any thoughts or recommendations on maybe how I could encourage her? Have you talked to her about it? Yeah, and she'll, she'll make an excuse. 
excuse. Yeah. Oh, she had cattle, so something happened. She had to go to the barn. Or she, like last Sunday, we met on Saturday night at like 7 o'clock, and she said, I'll be there in the morning. Nothing's going to stop me. And then she didn't come today yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just, I think, one, we, we need to talk to him about it, right? So, uh, but you don't want to harp on him, right? Because we want to do things because we love Christ. But here's what I want to encourage you with, right? And it's taken this whole process, right, of Bible studies. And I was never taught this, right? So uh, I've been doing it, I don't know, about 10 years. And so um, we're used to seeing church kids or church people saved. <laughs> Vertical startup, man, you guys got it down. Coming to church, it's good, right? But people that know nothing, and we are in a generation people know nothing about church. They're true babies, right? I mean, they're, she's acting like a baby, right? And, and I'm telling babies are awesome. Grandkids are better than regular kids. But I just, I just talked to my granddaughter this morning right before I came. So um, my daughter called me crying. I'll just tell you this story real quick. She called me crying. She said, you know where I'm at? You know where I'm at? She saw me in Japan and Joshua had to take a different flight. Her husband had to take a different flight. And so what a nightmare. And so she's with a two-year-old, 14-hour flight ahead of her. But um, long story why they were over there. But um, it's, she's a baby. And, and this whole trip, right? She said, she's, she's OD'd on, on Bluey. And, and she goes, and she just, we can't control her unless we give her electronic. And she said, that's going to end when we get home. So she's, she's all upset, but she's a baby. And I'm the grandpa and everything she does is, you're awesome, Elia. And um, don't be surprised. Don't get frustrated. You hang in there. She's a baby. You change her diaper. You burp her. You, and I'll tell you, she'll grow up. And if she's truly saved, she wants to honor Christ. I want you to never forget that, right? And, um, you know, it's a little bit of, uh, it's, it's overwhelming. I mean, I've had so many young people, so many young people, right? So it's something about young people that is a little different that I'm not used to, but I've, I've finally got used to it. Mar, uh, uh, Jacob's boss uh, got saved, right? And uh, he just celebrated, he big celebration for his one year of getting saved. And and I mean, I can't get Mark to come to church for hardly anything. Now he works retail, food service, and all this kind of stuff. But I'm going to hang in there with Mark. And finally, you know, he, he was talking about it. I said, you know, I said, happy birthday. I said, don't you think it's time you grow up and follow the Lord in baptism and be serious about serving the Lord? You know what he said? He said, you're right. He still hasn't come to church since then. But it is, um, <laughs> but I'm going to love Mark. God gave me that baby, right? I'm not going to abandon that baby. You hang in there. And, and, and you know this, you're learning how to be a real mom. Don't harp, don't nag, love. You know, just you'd love her and she'll wanna be like you and she'll follow you. It is, it's crazy, right? But with this unchurched generation, they're babies. And we expect them to be, you know, eight-year-olds. Kids grow up in church, they get saved, man. It's vertical, right? And, um, but you're, it's, it's a thrill, but it's gonna teach you for the mission field. And can you be saved and have that kind of spotty church attendance? I think so. You'll find out in due time they'll want nothing to do with you eventually. Now, there are some people I have fired when I become the traveling priest. If I become the traveling priest, you, 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 gotta, you understand this, right? I mean, I, I have, I've had hundreds, I have 25 a week, right? So I, um, and if I'm the traveling priest and I can tell there's no real heart change, I let him go. And I go back a little while later and it's just, there's a certain point where it's diminishing returns. I don't think you have that with this lady here. Be patient. 
You love her. Love, 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 love. You're teaching her the Word of God. And, and you know, it's um, the, have confidence in the Holy Spirit, right? It goes back to that faith thing. Will we trust the Lord that He will do what He said He will do? Here's the thing, right? We all talk about predestination, right? Well, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not nervous about predestination at all. You know what predestination is about? I'm so I thought, thought I'd bring that up because you guys wanted me to. But it's... Um, <laughs> If you're saved, you're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I expect to see it. Now, I'm impatient, you know, but I expect, I expect a six-year-old, a six-month-old to be like, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. <laughs> you got it. All right. I give them, you know, right? Somebody gets saved. I give them 100 verses every Christian should know, right? And they're just like, uh, you know, I have to tell them what page number to turn to. Um, love her, okay? You're going to learn. Uh, God's going to help some people. And I, I know this, so... I have an expectation. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, behold, all things become new. Become new. It's a process. And I do expect some vertical change. I expect some change. Have you seen some change? Okay, you've seen some change? I want more. And I've seen more in certain believers, right? I've just watched it, and I'm like, how come they're all not that way? Because babies are different. You love them. You love them. You love them. Well, you know what to do? Love. Second thing, teach the Bible. And so... Uh, uh, it's just patience, right? I know. We're used to seeing church kids get saved, and then it's like, oh, wow, how can I serve? And um, it's just different. It's just different. I'll, I'll give you one thought on your how, how, do you, how do you walk with Christ. Three things, right? I'm, the third one's the most important, but I'll give you the first one. Is I, I love to get up early. And I'm not a get up early guy. I did it for all my life. I was in corporate finance for 25 years before I became a pastor. Get up at 530 every day. And I say, when I'm a pastor, I'm not. And then why do, why do all surgeries have to be like at 7 a.m. and you have to be there, be there at 5? I go, I'll pray for you. We'll be on Zoom. Um, no, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> just kidding. But um, I, um, the men that I, I love the most that make me feel lost, not, they're not trying to make me feel lost. Do you have, do you, ladies, do you have women in your life you're like, that Christianity that you seem to be living seems to be different than mine. <laughs> you need to hang around those people. The men that I love that I'm like, I literally have told people, I'm not sure if she's come to church here. I'm afraid we'll hurt you. I meant it. I, I, you know, the bad apple hurts the good apple. And, but those guys, I want to like, how you doing? I like hanging around with you. And they think, they're, they think I'm teaching them. These men get up early. They get up early. Early means first thing in the morning, they've set aside time. So that brings me to my second thing. You will never be better than what you schedule. Schedule it. So I tell people this all the time. I'm, I, when, when God brought me into a ministry as a pastor, uh, my kids were grown. Uh, I think he did that because I would have, uh, I would have neglected my family. I love ministry. Uh, ministry is very addictive. Ministry, there's nothing better than serving the Lord. There's just nothing better. Nothing better. And so I love it. I love it. And, um, but, so I want to tell you this with your kids. He, so I tell people that I tell our church now, the next pastor's going to be different because he's going to have kids most likely that are at home. And my kids were, you know, servants with me and, um, but schedule time with your family and nothing gets in that way, but you need to look at your calendar. Right. And I'll tell you this, I can look at your calendar and look at your checkbook and I can tell you where your heart's at, period. What do you spend your time on and what do you spend your money on? That's very Bible. So I tell you this, I'm such a flake, I schedule it. 
Why do I have so many Bible studies? Not because I'm so awesome that if I don't, I'll fritter my time away. When these preachers ask me, they go, how do you do it? I almost, I do say, I do say it. What in the world are you doing with your time? Right? I think we got a lot of lazy preachers out there. Or a lot of preachers that are just doing administration. I'll tell you what, see preachers doing administration, you're going to see an unhappy preacher. You know what? You know why you want to be a preacher? Because you want to see people saved. I don't want to see people saved vicariously. I love reading your mission letters. I want people saved in Fairfield, Ohio. I'm happy for you. I love reading them. But I, I'm like, well, I think there's some people in my neighborhood that need to be saved. I'll tell you this. I was driving through our city the other day, and I, I was dreaming. We really, I, I'll tell you, you know, so just so you know, I'm a failing pastor, right? So you better be careful before you, who you listen to. Um, I, I, want, I want to make a difference. I want to, I want to start a revolution. I was driving through Fairfield, and I said, Lord, I want to turn this city upside down. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart, not audibly, just so you guys are already worried. But um, he said, you got to let me turn you upside down before I turn this city upside down. I thought about it every day. And uh, I'm going to walk with God by faith. I can't turn that city upside down. God can through me, and he can. It's the same God. But has he turned your life upside down? You see, the men that I love, they're weird. Because they're not like the world. They're not like the world. Um, be weird. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just guessing that uh, if you're here, uh, there's probably hundreds of hours of video game playing going on here. I'm just making it up. Just knowing guys. All, all that's telling me is um, you're bored. You're bored with Jesus, and you, it's, it's your default love. You're just, like, you're just like the world. That's all I'm telling you. I don't play video games. I used to love video games. I used to love video games. I, I don't have time for video games now. And there's, there's something way better. So early, schedule it. But the third one is the most important. John 15 is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. And what's the key? To bearing much fruit. Does anybody know what the key is to bearing much fruit in John 15? Abiding. Abiding in Christ. Let me tell you this. What does that mean? I tell it's like sort of by my analogy, poor, but it's like putting a cucumber in vinegar and it becomes a pickle. You immerse in Christ and he will change you. But what I love is if you immerse in Christ and you abide in Christ and you abide in his love, then you'll see obedience as an outcome. You see, we sound like Roman Catholic Baptists, right? That we are so focused on the works versus Christ. Abide in Christ, obedience is an outcome. And so you abide in Christ, immerse in Christ, just think on Christ, meditate on Christ, study the Bible, love Christ, you'll bear much fruit. I tell people all the time, I'll say, you know, I believe it's judgment uh, or, or God's clear sign. I say, if we're not seeing people baptized, I said, um, God's not happy with us. He didn't command us to baptize just so the spiritual churches don't. He commanded us to baptize because we should expect to see people saved. If we're doing his work, we should expect to see people saved. They'll follow the Lord in baptism. Baptism doesn't save, but baptism's the first step of obedience. And so, um, we have to take personal responsibility. But that leads me to a, another thought. 
I've spent most of my life, I love to win. I, I, I just love to win. And uh, I love being a Christian because we already won. Uh, but I, I got to be careful. It needs to be all about Christ. But so I'm telling you this, I love to win. I love to win. And so if I'm not careful, everything is about winning. And um, it's why I really try not to play board games or anything since I've been a pastor. Because uh, I only play board games with people I want to leave the church. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. But it is this. And so I'm a doer. I'm a doer. So I don't say that for anything. It's just who I am and what I am. So I'm not patting myself on the back. We got to be doers of the word. But you see, what I have forgotten is faith. And so here's the key. I do to get. I believe that's sin. I've spent most of my life doing that. God gives us his promises to give us hope. You understand that? Faith, hope, and love. He wants us to know this is not without benefit. But I, if you do to get, he'll never do it fast enough. For whatever reason, his timing's not mine right? It's just not. I'm like, all right, where is it at? And um, what, what I do is when you do to honor Christ, you've succeeded. It's all about Christ. God will bless. He'll bless. I, I've got to stop doing to get. I will tell you, that's, that'll help you in your marriage. Don't do something for your spouse expecting something in return. Do it because it honors Christ. And you know what? Your marriage will be better. But if you do to get, your wife will never deliver the way you were expecting. You know, you could do better. But if you do to honor Christ, that's a daughter of God. Then you see just the mentality will help you. It'll help me. And, and we get to delight in it, right? We get to delight in it. You know, who wants to change diapers, right? Um, I mean, nurseries, like my wife does the nursery schedule, right? And it's like, hey, look, squirrel. And, uh, but, but in the Lord's work, oh, where you're at, oh, it's a privilege. It's a privilege, right? Um, there's, there's just nothing better than to watch people be saved. I want to ask you guys this question. I just got a question for you, right? So Chase said Jesus is God. So I just want you to see, she, I want to see if this audience here you guys aren't allowed to answer. Uh, but uh, why does Jesus have to be God? You can just. Because if not, then the whole time we could have been good enough to not sin. What about one of the angels? They're perfect. The perfect angels. Could they have done it? Could they, have, could they have taken, um, come down here, put on flesh, and, and taken our punishment? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. You see, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Hindus, um, Muslims, they all deny the deity of Christ. He had to be God. I want you to understand this. See, this is what I want you to understand this. This is why it's like, I'm telling you, I can walk into a convenience store and go... Hey, 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 good to see y'all. Anybody know why Jesus had to be born of a virgin? I've done it many times. <laughs> Do you think anybody's gotten mad at me? I get a little crowd, and they all try. Nobody's ever had the answer. So I could say, well, I ask people all the time, I'll say, well, tell me. 
Because, you know, I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house. Come on in. And um, I'll, I'll just tell them, I'll say, I'll say, you know, is Jesus the eternal God? No beginning, no end. Because they have this language they're using now. That's it. They've changed their language. They'll say he's God, but they don't mean that. They don't mean he's the ever existing God. No beginning, no end. But why does Jesus have to be God? You see, see, I want you to be excited. The Bible, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not shocked that you don't know that. You know why I'm not shocked? It's, it's just because, but I want you to, at least when you read the Bible, I want you to be excited about it and figure out, well, why in the world does Jesus have to be God? There was no other option. Everybody I ask, I say, well, what about the, what about the perfect angels? The elect angels never sinned. Well, maybe. Let me help you with this. Only an eternal being can take our eternal punishment. And God's the only one that's infinite. If I was sinless, that's one of the requirements. I could only take the punishment of one man. The infinite God could take the punishment of all. I'll tell you, when you share that with people, you know what they're like? They're like, Because when you start in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, they're like, told you, the Bible's horrible. <laughs> Just can never understand it. Take them to verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But then I do this. I'll say this. Okay, now, um, I'm going to be the Word, and you're gonna, I'm going to change God with your name. In the beginning was Steve, and Steve was with Jacob, and Steve was Jacob. I just wanted to make sure you understood how confusing that verse was. <laughs> You know, and so I tell them that. And so how can I be with Jacob and be Jacob? They're like, I don't know, this is stupid. I said, because it's how God reveals himself and he's unlike us. And there's three persons, one God. And Jesus has to be God. If he's not, I'll see you in hell. Because he couldn't take my eternal punishment if he's not an eternal being. And I have to finish the job. And I have to finish it for eternity. I will tell you this. When you just share that one simple truth, people want to hear the next verse. See, you need to be excited about the Bible. You need to be so curious about the Bible. You need to say, what in the world? Right? In the, I'll tell you, I used to hate John 1. I love John because John 20, 31 says... Um, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life through his name. And I'm like, Lord, it should have started in chapter 3. Chapter 3 is where I would have started. And the Lord's like, the world's better off that you weren't me. And, but I'll tell you this, it confronts people right in the front that, God, that Jesus is God. I just want to tell you this. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Just, we're having a good time here, right? And so I want you just to be you ought to be able to tell people all the time. <coughs> people are blown away. When I say, why did Mary have to be born of a virgin? Anybody know? You know. Come on. Somebody knows. Well, he also be a sinner. And, and why did he have to be born of a virgin? It's because the sin passes from the man. And he could be born of a woman and be born sinless. For as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. The sins of the father pass from the second, the third, and the fourth generation. I joke with folks. I say, who sinned first, Adam or Eve? You can use this as well. And most people know Eve. I go, all our problems go back to women. <laughs> just kidding, kind of. Um, just, I am kidding. I am kidding. But it's this. See, it wasn't because it was spectacular. It was because it was required. He had to be one of us. Why did he have to be one of us? Do you, do you know? 
we could do this all day long. I want you to know this. The Bible's awesome. You forgot about it. It's the most interesting book in the world. When you read that Jesus is God, you will need to ask this question. See, what happens is when you have Bible studies, people will ask those questions for you. They'll be like, that's stupid. Okay, okay. All right. Um, well, let's look at the next verse. <laughs> you know, and, and people ask me questions still to this day, and I'm like, um, I'm like, well, I've always kind of skipped that verse. <laughs> I kid you not. Um, and it's so good for me. It's so good for me, right? And, and you're going to love it. You're going to love it, but you're going to run into problems. This guy I was going to have a Bible study with last night. It'd be the third time. He uh, just got out of prison, and he asked me this question. See, these are the questions you have to deal with. He said, I was molested by my dad when I was two years old, and I still remember it. You do remember trauma, so I, I don't remember anything when I was two. I wasn't traumatized, but he, he does. He says, you tell me why God let that happen. What would you say? That was not a rhetorical question. What would you say? Those are hard, aren't they? I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know why God would do that. I said, but let me ask you this question. I said, because God hates that. God said it would be better for a millstone to be cast around a man's neck and cast into the Sea of Galilee or the abyss than to hurt one of his enemies. I said, God hates that. I said, I have no idea. I said, imagine this. I said, what if God used that to bring you to this very Bible study today? Would you rather had your life be perfect and die and spend eternity in the lake of fire or have such horrendous trouble that most people don't have that make you realize life is a dud? And he said, I guess I'd rather be here. He's still lost. I don't know if that's the right answer. Those are difficult things, are they not? But I will tell you this. Don't you dare buy into any theology that said God wanted that. God didn't want sin. God didn't need sin, okay? Now, God allows or causes all things, so I have to admit to him God allowed that. But I want to help you understand. I, this is, that was just a side note, but it's, it's the consequence of man that we blame God for. Our sin has, the more I study it, the more I understand our sin is not just the action there's so much more i've learned this as a pastor so i'll ask some of the the missionary guys i um so i make this stuff up sometimes in my own mind but i think i see it in the bible my um i know i know this but it, if you're not jason have you ever have you ever um been a missionary and not walking with god the way you should Okay, I was going to say you're a liar if you said you didn't, but no, but so what, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to resign that week and then, then re-up, resign, re-up, right? I don't know. And so, but you know when you're not, right? You know when you're not. You know when you're, you, you just, heart's not right, you just, you know. When you begin to look at it, the impact, and nobody else knows, the impact is unbelievable. We do not understand our sin. Our sin our sin deserves eternal damnation. That's mind-blowing to me. Do any of you think that seems reasonable? It seems outrageous to me, but it is exactly what we deserve. I'm just saying my human mind can't grasp it. But I will tell you this, in the same vein, we have no idea how much a single sin impacts everything around us. 
but all we're worrying about is nothing happened. <laughs> That's all right, I guess. No, far more happened than you could ever imagine. You see, I don't know how, how that, uh, how and why God would allow terrible things to happen to, to babies, to children. But it's not his fault. And, uh, but it's our sin. You see, it's uh, what, what will cause us to be less fruitful is sin. Sin will, will uh, break that fellowship with God, and uh, sin, sin will destroy us. Um, I'll let you ask questions. Any questions? Where I got a couple more things. Or I'm done if, you, yeah, if I need to be I, done. Um, yeah, I would like, if we could do some questions, um, try to help you go on another subject. And I think we've got another 30 minutes, and I think it would be good. If you wanted to shoot some questions, do some Q&A, um, pass through some different things. you got a wealth of wisdom, and uh, I think it would be great if anybody could answer no wrong questions. Uh, so, anybody have anything? I guess I'd like to clarify or whatever. Unplug it? Yeah. Sure. Um, don't know if I have any answers, but uh, that's what I tell people all the time. Don't worry if you don't have the answers, right? See, everybody goes in and says, I have to have all the answers. I said, no, you just have to be one week ahead of time and tell them this. Say, I don't know. I don't know, right? I'll, I'll find out. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so do you do a lot of Bible studies with um, younger people? And have you had to, like, young people as in, like, young adults, even maybe teenagers, and how have you, like, have there been any, any obstacles? Like, have you seen, like, with the Church, church attendance, number one thing. Um, they, they tell me. I mean, uh, uh, Jacob's boss told me, he said, if you tell me that I have to go to church, he said, I won't believe in Jesus. I said, then you can leave. I said, because if you're going to trust in Jesus, then he becomes your boss and he's going to tell you to go to church. And so church attendance, I've had, I've, I just, I've had another young adult tell me, they said, I don't do the church thing. I said, I understand. I said, but when Jesus gets a hold of you, you'll do whatever he wants. <laughs> and so um, it is, uh, but what I find, what I love about uh, uh, young adults and teenagers and young adults, they, um, they know they've been lied to and they listen and they want to see it in the Bible. I had a young lady, I had a, I had a couple, this is years ago, and um, they were living together had a Bible study with him. He got saved, and she didn't. And so then they uh, broke up. They'd been living together for five years. And, um, but she, she was like, she was a case study in of itself, right? She would come in, and she, I, I had a table that size that they would sit around, right? And she's sitting across the table, and she'd be like, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I'm like, I, I'm, I can kind of overcome things. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm looking at you. <laughs> and um, what I love is this. God's word is so amazing. Every time before we were done, she's leaning forward and the word of God's subduing her. Now she would sprint out of my office. And she never got saved. But one time she said this. She said, I got a question for you. I got a question for you. She said, 
You said Jesus was the only way. And I, I took her through the scriptures and I explained to her why, you know, I hope you could tell people the, why Jesus is the only one that meets the qualifications, right? And so you guys look at me. So you should be able to just search the scriptures and say, well, what, what are the qualifications that, are you, that Jesus meets? And so I showed her that and she goes, my youth leader lied to me. I said he did if he told you there's any other way. What I love about young people, I want them to be skeptical, encourage skepticism. I tell them, never believe anything I say until you see it in the Bible. And man, they call me on it. And sometimes we get old uh, religious speak, right? And I'm like, oh, well, what did I mean by that? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's like embarrassing, right? It's like, let me talk to the pastor. Um, and, but young people, I love young people. Um, the church thing's really interesting, right? It's just interesting. Um, but when God gets a hold of them, um, He'll change him eventually. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you one thing about a young man that got saved last October. He is, uh, and he he taught me this just recently. He's one of these guys that uh, he, he, Justin, right? Justin, Justin. When I met Justin, Justin thought he was saved, and Justin's fornicating with women every week, right? When we're having our Bible study, right? And he's like, I messed up last night. I mean, he he's a good looking, he's a good looking guy, and the women would throw themselves at him, and that's that's the that's the uh, that's the way of the world. It's just nuts out there, right? It's just nuts out there. And uh, I knew he was lost, but I didn't address it. And uh, uh, he, goes to, he went to college, and uh, we kept our Bible studies on with FaceTime, and, and uh, God saved him in October. Man, <laughs> radical, radical. Uh, hasn't fornicated since. He's, God's given him victory over pornography. Because um, he, he tells me, he t- I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Just, you're the only one I can talk to. I said, don't tell me too much. <laughs> and um, so... But Justin told me this. He said, he said, you know, you know, Pastor, he said, what's happening is, he said, I've been getting up early. He said, but I was getting up early. He said, my mind just doesn't function in the morning. How many would say your mind doesn't function in the morning? So here's what Justin said. He said, but I found out one thing I can do first thing. He said, he's at Ohio University, which is known as the party school. So I give him a hard time because he, he went to that school before he was saved. And I said, I, you went there for the business school, right? But God gives him victory up there. He has Bible studies with guys. And... Um, he says, first thing in the morning, I roll off my bed and I get on my knees and I spend time with the Lord. He said, I have time with him in his word. He said, but my mind isn't where it needs to be, but he still started the day off with the Lord. So I give you options, right? It doesn't mean that you have to be like, well, I'll read the book of Leviticus every Tuesday, right? And um, it is, but find a way to be with the Lord in his presence. And Justin, you know, see, there's options, right? Don't just chuck it because you think it has to be a certain way. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time. First thing, you start searching the scriptures. Watch people that you, you really respect. And I'm still not that guy that does the morning the way I should. I've got to get better. I believe when I get better, my life will change. God's still changing me, right? The next time the kids stand up in front of our church and say, he's still working on me, I'm going to stand there. He's still working on me. Have you given up hope that God's going to change you? I'm going to be a better husband in 2023. Been the same goal every year for the last 34. <laughs> and, um, but I'm not, I'm not done. I believe this. God's a big God. I don't think Jeff's just spouting off things that says we can reach the world for Jesus Christ. Do you guys know this? I, I, just, I want to show you one Bible verse. How many of you think the entire world has ever been given the gospel? Okay. Do you have a Bible verse for that? 
I do too. I want to know what yours is. Go ahead. Okay, Colossians 1.23. I want you guys to turn to Colossians 1.23. Romans 10 also echoes the same sentiment. Isn't that good? Be encouraged. It's not like it hadn't been done before. Right? It's just so, so encouraged. I just, want to, I just want to, you guys, I could go into craziness if you let me, but look, look at Colossians 1.23. This should encourage you. This is not something that can't be done. It's been done. And we just, and I'll tell you this, I know, we keep, keep plowing, keep planting, keep watering. Verse 23, Colossians 1.23 says, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Now, it's going to talk about the gospel. You don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel, right? He's talking about this. If you're, you're a Christian, you'll, you'll stay with the stuff, right? Not that you won't have issues. But he said, um, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Now he says, which you have heard. They had, they had heard the gospel. The church at Colossae had heard the gospel. And which was preached <clears throat> to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. You go read commentaries. You know what they say? Well, this hyperbole. You know what hyperbole is? Exaggeration. What? You know what I love about it? Which it says which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. It's been done before. Now, I've had people say, well, what about the Western Hemisphere? You know what? I'm just telling you this. Do you know in the Great Tribulation, in Revelation chapter 24, angels preach the gospel? Did you know that? Revelation 14, I think it's 14, 7. I think angels might be preaching the gospel today. That doesn't give you an excuse. You follow me? That just shows the amazing goodness of God. How did every creature get the gospel? Because every creature got the gospel. One, it was the missionary work, church planting, and God. Really, it's God and all those other things. But it's, I want you to know this. We haven't been given an impossible task. It is daunting. But only by faith can we do anything. Ask the Lord to increase your faith. I've been asking that now for a month, and I'm telling you, I'm going to live by faith one day at a time. I'm going to live by faith. Let me just tell you, I'm just, I, 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 there's a lot of ladies in here, but it just, I don't, I, I'm just assuming the young men, because I deal with so many young men, old men, me, uh, you can have victory over lust, okay? I just want to, because Mark started out with that, I just want to tell you this, it's by faith, by faith, okay? Just today, God has equipped you to overcome sin. When the thought goes through your mind, capture it and cast it down. And just have victory today. Just have victory today. And sometimes you need to flee fornication. I will tell you this. You know this? Get rid of your phone. You don't need a phone. If your phone is a curse to you, get rid of your phone. I would never tell you to get rid of your Bible, but I'd tell you to get rid of your phone. You know what I love? My wife says, hey, you forgot your phone. I go, I'm pretty sure somebody has one if there was an emergency. <laughs> I'm not worried anymore, right? I mean, I was in the day where nobody had phones, right? And when they did, it's like, hey, how you doing? You know, it's, um, but I, I want you to know this. Are you willing to be extreme to honor Christ? Or are you going to flounder like a fish out of water? And it's one of the most destructive things with young men. I want to tell you this. God loves you. Just know that. He has forgiven you for that sin, but he's also given you all the ability to overcome that sin by faith. And you don't have to figure it out for the rest of your life. How about Friday? How about Friday? <sighs> oh, Friday, 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 Friday. And then you live for the Lord on Friday. And I'll tell you this, live for the Lord on Saturday. 
And then all of a sudden this, you'll find it gets easier. See, I don't want us to be satisfied with 90% success. I believe God can give us 100% success. And it's the issue with men. I'm sorry, ladies. I just, I just want our men not to be destroyed by lust, by the heart. You can do it. You can do it. But it's faith. It's faith in the Lord. Any other questions? I guess I was... Uh, you mentioned earlier, you said that, you know, there's sometimes you you become the priest that you cut them off. When do you, as far as, when do you cut them off and say you uh, have a Bible study with a lost person and they're not getting saved? When would you cut that off? Well, here's my experience. My experience is this. Um, I'm, I, I am not an easy believism guy. I believe the Bible subdues souls. When anyone gives me... Um, six or more Bible studies, God saved every one of them. They normally fire me before six Bible studies, except for two people, and I know who they are. And um, I had a Bible study with this guy. He, um, he was, uh, oh, I'm just going to blank on what his religion was. Um, he was, uh, I'll think of it in a second. Anyway, it was a, it was a, a Catholic branch. And so I um, had a Bible study with him every Tuesday with his kids. It was the first Bible study I ever had with kids. So just, you know, this, I panicked. You know, I'm like, oh, kids, kids, kids. Kids are so unbelievable. Kids just love everything. Kids can handle anything, right? It's the adults that are the tough ones. But I struggled. I, I love having kids at Bible studies. They make it better. So I had this Bible study for two years. And I, um, I fired him, but he fired me. So here's how I got fired. And, I, and this, you don't have to do it this way, but this is two years. And um, his name was Mark. That's the funny thing. So <laughs> it was. I looked, at him, I, I looked at him one night. And I have to open up slots, right? I was very full. I didn't have any other Bible study slots. And so when I, when I, if, I don't, if I don't need to open up slots, then um, I'm more patient. But if I, if I need to open up a slot, then I have to make choices. We have to make choices, right? And so when I said I do 25, it's because I have... I have nothing else to do, and which is a blessing of God. My church is super kind to me. You can't do 25, okay? Because I know, I mean, Jacob comes down here. He's got to work. He's got a total car. He's got to go to school. He's got to, you know, read books. And, and, um, and then he's got to uh, not touch um, his girlfriend and, um, and uh, just think about getting married and all those things, right? And so, um, and, and he, he wants to serve the Lord. So here's what I tell people. When you're working... And going to school, you can probably do two to four Bible studies a week. And I say four if you do them every other week. You can maybe do two each week, right? Because you're going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You got a lot to do, but two to four, two to four, right? So, so I, I tell you that. So I needed slots. So I, I work second shift a lot. Um, and so I needed a slot because I had somebody that needed the Bible study. And so I go, Mark, I said, you're feeling pretty good about yourself, aren't you? I said, you got a Baptist preacher who's been coming to your church for two years. And he started going to church every week when I started showing up. I mean, you go to church every week. I go, Mark, um, have you ever truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? And here's what he said. Not the way you teach it. <laughs> and uh, I said, Mark, I took him to Hebrews. And I said, uh, if you don't get saved, this has been the worst thing that could have ever happened to you. I said, because your damnation will be sorer than if I never showed up. I said, I get no joy in that. I said, but the Bible says that those that trample the gospel underfoot 
having it revealed to them time and time again, will have greater punishment to him who has given much, much is required. And I said, Mark, I beg you, you need to trust Christ or your eternal damnation is going to be far worse than most. Now you say, man, that's rough. This is two years. I knew I would get the text. I got the text the next day. I did not like the way you spoke to me. I do not want to have this. I still pray for Mark. His dad owns a meat shop that I pass all the time. And I'm going to go visit him again. It's been about a year, year and a half. Maybe it's been longer than that. Loose tacker time. And I love him. And, uh, but I, um, I need a slot. I know that sounds weird that I talk that language. And um, I don't know if I could do much more. So those are, those are really hard for me. It's only happened twice. And, um, but I, one thing I wanted the, uh, the kids to understand is like, when you talk about doing the Bible studies for lost people, that doesn't mean you have a Bible study for a few weeks and he doesn't get saved, so you just stop and go somewhere else. No, you should see the um, text messages I get from people criticizing me as I'm some type of heretic. How can you have a Bible study with a lost person? I mean, I have been called names and everything else. I'm telling you, they just, because all that discipleship means to Christians today is teaching the saved. I'm telling you, there's two teaches in there, the last I checked. I don't read the NIV or any of that. So, but it's two teaches. It's two teaches. I missed it most of my life. For the first 40 years of my Christian life, witnessing was the only tool I had. And you know what that turns into? Manipulation. I want a baby. I want a baby. I, I mean, I, I, they, you guys had the same reaction of South Africa. I'm talking spiritual babies, but I want a baby. And there's not, I'm telling you this, there's great joy in it. I want to see people saved and I want to be their spiritual parent and I want to help them grow. So no, it, they have to fire me or I will help them fire me because it's, it is this, what I've done is I've watched God subdue them. When I said everybody that gave me six weeks or more was saved, sometimes it was nine months, sometimes it was 15 months. And you could just imagine my doubting, Lord, I'm wasting my time. And you know, then I remember the verses that say, your labor's not in vain. Maybe mine is, you know? <laughs> and um, so it is, and I, it's, it's one-on-one, men with men and women with women. I don't have a Bible study with a woman, my wife will join me. And so I'm telling you, I own gas stations, right? I, I, you've heard me say this, many have. Why does a Christian go to the gas station? Because somebody needs to hear about Jesus, and the bonus is you get your gas tank filled. If you just go to get gas, you're nothing different than the world. Is that true? That gas station should know that you're a Christian. Because every time you say, hey, you're new here, aren't you? Because there's great turnover. Right? Have I ever told you about my best friend? No, no. His name is Jesus. And he loves you too. I'd like you to read this. I'll be back. I want you to ask any questions that you have. Just five seconds. And I'm telling you this, what I, you just watch, watch, you know, because I mean, I, I like to watch as I'm leaving. I've started a conversation. You know, in the back, they're like, <laughs> and then I'll come back. And so, why does a Christian go to the grocery store? Somebody needs to hear about Jesus, and the bonus is you get groceries. Different mentality, right? The night cometh when no man can work. Don't put your faith in your work, but I will tell you this. Turn to, turn to 1 Corinthians 15.10. It's one of my favorite verses. If you listen to me, I, like, I have 33,000 favorite verses. Not really. I'm a verse-by-verse -verse guy, and I'm about to almost get through the Bible. 
and I haven't done Leviticus yet. You pray for me. <laughs> I'm hoping I hear the trumpet sound. Leviticus, I, I know when I get to heaven, you know, I'm going to go, Jesus, what's your favorite book? He's going to go Leviticus. <laughs> and I'll go, well, why didn't you quote that when you were uh, defeating Satan? Now Deuteronomy's number two. And, um, but uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. This is so beautiful. Look at this, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'll tell you this, if you're a genius, God made you a genius. Stop being puffed up about it. If you're good at something, you should, you should acknowledge that you're good at something. Give God the glory and stop thinking you're something. God's the one that equips you. That guy I talked to that's 67 years old the other night, he goes, well, I'm an introvert. I said, well, God made you an introvert, be an introvert for Jesus. I said, you seem to think it has something to do with your personality. I said, it has something to do with the truth. I said, oh, that's right. He said, your personality will set them free. I said, it's the truth that'll set you free. I mean, you guys are like, oh, you know, because I'm not trying to make you me. There's a lot of benefits of not being me. Trust me. Trust me. More people are like you than like me. And I need to be more likable. I need to, I need to, I need to have a Christ-like spirit, right? I do. I'm working on it. may not appear that way, but it's better than it used to be. I told people my tombstone's going to say, Steve, Steve Hall's a jerk. But at the bottom will be, but not as bad as he used to be. <laughs> That's a testimony for Jesus Christ, isn't it? I, and I, I'm encouraged by that, right? But I, I'm not happy to be uh, a jerk. And I, I want to be Christ-like because when I'm not, I misrepresent him. But, so look at this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's all the goodness of God. And his grace, which was bestowed on me, was not in vain. Now, I want to ask you this. The goodness of God, was it bestowed on you in vain? God's been good to every single person in this room. Paul said, it wasn't bestowed on me in vain. I was grateful and I, I lived for him, right? So look at this. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace uh, was bestowed on me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. You think, what? That he says this, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. That, that is becoming quickly a theme verse for my life. I want to work harder than anybody in this room. But by the grace of God. If I get puffed up about working harder, I've missed it. But I will tell you this. You ask me about young people. So don't get insulted. The thing that frustrates me with young people, you're lazy. Okay? It is a trait of young people. You're lazy. I don't know about you. Young people are lazy. Love your, your willingness to learn, but you're lazy. It's a trait. There's generations in America that aren't lazy. Don't be like your generation. Don't put your confidence in your work. You see, I've struggled with that in my life, you know, because I like to work. I like to be busy. I like to do. And I made a mistake. I, I did to get, right? I did to get. Now, I, I can do and know God's going to bless, but I... I just, I've got to do for his honor and his glory. Don't be lazy, okay? Did I insult the young people in here? So maybe you're all exceptions. But if you're being influenced by this culture, the thing I see about young people, now, is that fair? Is that fair? Would you guys agree? Now, I'm telling you this, all, call, all generations can be lazy, but your generation is more lazy than most. If I've stereotyped too much, you know, I love you guys. I don't know anybody in here except for these two lazy people. Um, but uh, I, I want them to get with it. Get with it. And so um, it is, uh, I, I want to, um, I, I want you just to get with it, right? 
let me tell you, let me tell you, I'll, I'll give this final story, then we can answer questions, but maybe it's time. But I've been working at this for a long time and, and uh, lost half of our church. Half of our church, half our offering left. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Calvinist, so that was part of it. They said it was in doctrine, you know, but it was, it was also just because crusty Baptists don't want what I preach. Who are you teaching? Who are you teaching? Who are you teaching? Who are you teaching? Hey, did you say anything this week that anybody could possibly get saved? Did anything come out of your mouth? You know, so I, I preach verse by verse. So we lost a lot of crusty Baptists, you know, and, uh, but man, God blessed. And um, we have a church now that they're trying. I'll tell you this, what I love is I could begin to name Bible studies. Even, even you guys just be thrilled, some things that have happened, just people. My whole heart's desire. See, I believe this. And see, you missionaries know this better than, than American preachers. See, because you guys are, you always plan to disappear and that church will survive just fine. Well, what happens when a preacher leaves a church in America? Church split, falls apart. Oh, man, you know, it's, it's a nightmare, right? If I'm doing my job right, I can die and the work should go on because the people are doing the work. They need a leader, but it's much less important than we make it in the United States. And you guys know that. If you make yourself too important, they can't let go of you. And I know that's always tough. It's always tough, of course. But that's why so many missionaries become pastors. Different mentality, right? It is you need to train men, disciple others, which includes teaching the lost, and planting churches. What kind of churches are you going to plant? Plant churches that it's a... I'll tell you this. Tell me if you disagree. Jason, it's okay if you disagree. I'm not a missionary. I've not been there, right? So I make things up and you'd be like, man, you're... And so listen to this guy. Listen to this guy. I think a church would be ready if you had a church that had a man that was trained and 15 people that were teaching others. Could you leave that church and that church will be a mighty tool of God? 15 people, that's all it takes. I'm just telling you this. It is, uh, and my whole desire is I want to start a revolution where we are planting churches that people know that they teach. And here's the beautiful thing. When you see people saved, um, newly saved people think that's the way it's supposed to be. I go, well, who are you teaching? Justin, the young man I talked about, right, Mr. Fornicator, that just God's given me victory. He wouldn't mind if I said that. I don't think so. But, he, <laughs> our, our, uh, uh, but he's, he's God's, it's just, you got, you wouldn't, he was, he was, he was, he, he could have been on GQ magazine, right? And uh, he, he, he just was, he's a super likable guy. You'll like him the first second you'll meet him. You're like, just, he's, uh, and he has dreads. He has dreads too, right? So I, and they're not, they're, he, I know this, but I don't, it's not, he looks like a man, right? So he's got, and so, you know, years ago I'd have been like, well, you need to shake and cut your dreads off, but he loves the Lord, right? So it is, what was I going to say? What was gonna, oh, he told me this. So Justin, Justin, he called me, called me from college. He said, he said, pastor. He said, when we have a Bible study, it seems like we only cover a few verses. He said, I had my first Bible study, and I covered the first three chapters of John. Is that okay? <laughs> I said, did the Lord speak to your hearts and your friend's heart? He said, without a doubt. I said, man, that's awesome. You guys can do better than Justin, but he's doing it. And God's saving these young men. They have Bible studies with me later, and because Justin will be like, I want you to have a Bible study with my pastor. <laughs> and 
guys are getting saved from a guy that doesn't know much, but he knows this. I once was lost, but now I'm saved. And he said this. I showed him in the Bible. He said, that is what God wants me to do. And he doesn't worry about what everybody else is doing. He's going to do it. If you want to plant churches that will teach others, you better. Now, here's the risk. So, Jason, you balance me. Mark, you balance me. Because I know this. I know this. I, uh, um, it is, I'm not trying to distract you from the work of planting churches. But what kind of churches you're planting. But I want you to be all about teaching, not just the preachers. I want you to see people saved. I can put up with anything if people are being saved. If they're not, welcome to Grumpy Baptist. I, I, but if people are being saved, there's, it's why we live. We live for the honor of Christ, but he came so that the lost might be saved. That's why we're here. I, ne I never want to forget about it, right? John Knox, I think about him all the time. Give me souls lest I die. I'll tell you this. It's, it's when you get it, you almost feel like you're going insane. Let me take you to one final verse. I want to take you to a shocking verse, and then I'll close. I'll close. Uh, I guess is it noon is when you guys end? Okay, what time is it? Six minutes. I want you to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. So since you guys didn't know why Jesus was God, maybe this will be new to you. I think you knew why Jesus had to be God. If you didn't, that doesn't mean you're terrible. But aren't you excited you can go tell somebody now? And then I want you to search the scriptures. I want you to search the scriptures that they're overwhelming. You know there's people that would believe in the same gospel as us that say it wasn't crystal clear that Jesus was saying he was God. I'm like, you're a nut. It was so crystal clear. That's what they finally crucified him for. What Bible are they reading? Look at 2 Corinthians 5. Let me just tell you this before I turn to you, 2 Corinthians 5. Do you know this? Noah, did you know this? You're going to be judged for everything you do, good or bad. Do you know that, Chase? It's terrifying. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what it says. Verse 10. For we must all, this is talking to believers, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Look at the response and you'll understand this is Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Is that not terrifying? Christians don't seem to know that. They think God's a communist and it's an equal opportunity God. That when we get to heaven, you know, it's going to be all like, <laughs> it's going to be the same. It's not. You will not be punished for your sin. That's not what this is saying. I want you to understand that. As a believer, Christ took your eternal punishment, your eternal damnation, and you will not be punished for your sin. But... Your rewards will take into account what you've done that's good and what you've done that's bad. That's what this says. Do you love the response? Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Is that not terrifying? What should our response be if we know the terror of the Lord? We persuade men. What I love is, what does God want us to do when we understand? Oh! I'm going to be judged. I'm going to answer. So here, if you ask me, if you ask me, so I'll try, because I know some of you look puzzled. We can talk about it later, but you're not going to be punished for it, but God's going to take it all into account in eternal rewards. 
you will have eternally. Now, here's what I believe. I don't have a lot of uh, textual proof for this, but it is, uh, what, what's the greatest thing we can do today? Glorify God, right? And I know this. I'm, I'm a little bent on, I want to see people saved. I think that is a great way, but just be nice to people. You can glorify God. Well, we do want to see, be saved, right? But it's this. So God takes into account the good or bad, and here's what I believe. My eternal rewards will be whether it's some kind of light that reflects the glory of God. I will have something, because the first shall be last and the last shall be first. There's going to be a differentiation of rewards. Yes, amen? Does everybody understand that? That seems a little shocking to most people, but I think it's not going to be like, <laughs> you guys didn't listen to me on that Friday. Yeah, you should have. You should have. Um, but it's, it's going to be all directed to Christ. And you know what the greatest thing we can do? Somehow, wouldn't this be thrilling? That what I get to do for all eternity is glorify Him greatly. That would be the greatest reward, would it not? It doesn't have to be a, a new car. You know, we think so temporally. And so, but I want you to know this. Your behavior matters as a Christian. Not only this side of heaven, but for all eternity. I'll let you ask questions if you think I'm preaching heresy here. Most Christians are like, I don't like that. So that must not be what it says. Don't be like all the other people that want to discount scriptures. You study that. It's terrifying. Is that not terrifying? And, um, but it's going to be involved in our rewards. That's what the judgment seat of Christ is, the rewards. Because God is so just, he will reward us. But it's going to take into account all that we do, good or bad. Get with it in faith for the honor of Christ. Any other questions or anything? Oh, no, too late. We're one minute. Okay, no questions. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for coming.